catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, some people would have argued about the true relevance of the internet, but 2020 and the years after have sealed that conversation. What is more of a discussion starter is how accessible the internet should be, how affordable, and how decentralized control should be. Though Sudan featured in the top 10 cheapest countries in the world, Sub-Saharan Africa still has the most expensive data prices in the world. Six out of 10 most expensive countries in the world for one gigabyte of mobile data, including the highest price, Equatorial Guinea, are within our region. This is according to the Worldwide Mobile Data Price in 2021 report from cable.co.uk. And compared to the cost of one gigabyte of mobile data across 6,148 mobile data plans in 230 countries. While one gigabyte of mobile data costs $0.27 on average in Sudan, it costs about $49.67 in Equatorial Guinea. How much of your work depends on internet data? How much do you spend on internet data every month? Do you know if the price of data where you are is affordable? So I asked a few young people and here are some of the responses that I got. Listen. It's quite affordable. How much of my work depends on internet data? All of my work. <laughs> Absolutely all of my work. Approximately 15,000 naira in a month. Um, that's about $27. I spend less than 10% on internet data. What if I spend less? Yes, please. If internet data is cheaper, it should be a lot better and easier. Most times you just have to watch the things you do so that you don't exhaust your data before before it actually expires, even though it never gets to the point where it expires. My name is Ayamide. I'm a media relation account executive in South Africa. Even though I do not frequently buy data because we have Wi-Fi, it's, it is affordable. I would say it's cheaper for me because I don't have to buy data every time only if i have to go outside everything i do depends on internet everything i do requires data requires me to be connected to the internet without internet data i can't do anything unless if maybe i already have the information like stored somewhere or saved on somewhere on my laptop then i can work offline every month let's say ten dollars or fifteen like i said i do not buy data every month or because we've got our internet wi-fi i don't think internet could end data is as affordable as it should be 95 percent of my work depends on internet get approximately 23 to 26 dollars life would be a whole lot easier and better if there was actually cheaper internet data well, according to the United Nations, internet access is considered affordable when the cost of one gig is less than 2% of the gross monthly income. However, on the African continent, data prices about 5.7% of the gross monthly income compared to 2.7% in South America and 1.6% in Asia Pacific. In fact, only 14 of the 48 African countries included in the UN ranking have affordable internet access. How can we make internet data cost more affordable in Africa? 
To discuss this is someone with strong connections with the Minister of Communications and Digital Economy, where he's helping pave the way to real change in broadband and telecoms in Nigeria and improving the lives of communities across the country. He's the immediate past president of the Association of Telecommunications Companies of Nigeria, ATCON, and the national coordinator for the Alliance for Affordable Internet and a member of the Institute of Directors, IOD, both in Nigeria and in London. Olu Tenyola is our guest today. Welcome, sir. How are you doing? Good morning to you and your listeners or viewers. Uh, good morning, Anthony, and thanks for having me on this morning uh, to discuss these very important topics. Thank you again. Yes, welcome once again. Now, why is internet data expensive in Africa, or let me rephrase that. Why, why is internet data the priciest here on the continent? I will try and give you a short answer to that because it is multifaceted and I don't want to escape the real empirical evidence that we have on ground. At Affordable Alliance for Affordable Internet, uh, A4AI, which where I'm the national coordinator in Nigeria, when you look at Africa and the structure of the internet, which is overlaid on the old telephony system that we know, you will notice that the emergence of the internet coincided with the deregulation of various markets in terms of telecommunications services and provisions to consumers. And whilst that was happening, private sector money came in. Why did private sector money come in? It's because the state-owned entities of those times, which were the legacy post and telecommunication companies, hadn't actually provided ubiquitous connectivity to all its citizens. And remember, since that deregulation, and the majority of them occurred around the mid-2000s, in Nigeria's case, it was in 2001, we have had certain countries still controlled by state-owned entities, and they've not been able to find the capital to actually invest in infrastructure that is required to reach a growing population. The population of Africa at the moment is around to the tune of 1.3 billion people across 54 countries. And that's expected to grow tremendously over the next 20 to 30 or 40 years. Estimates in 2050 are saying that would be almost double the current population figures I've just shared with you. Now, imagine right now that Africa is one of the biggest continents on planet Earth, it has a population that is growing, but it hasn't had the requisite infrastructure to keep up with that population growth. So technology that has been brought in since the deregulation has focused on the urban areas and the cities where private sector providers can get a return on investments. Well, to get a return on investments, you have to provide services that really are affordable, accessible and available. Simply put, and the case is that private sector networks, albeit that they have done a great job, especially when you look at where Africa is as opposed to where it was 25 years ago in terms of communication and accessing the internet, the World Wide Web to be precise. They've done a good job 
in actually introducing tech technology, but where market failures exist is the simple case they cannot go to those communities in the rural areas, in landlocked countries of Africa, because it doesn't make business sense. There simply isn't a business case. So what you have is the subscribers that are on the networks are actually paying a price that covers the lack of infrastructure deficits. And we can look at one, power being a big one. In Nigeria, for instance, 98% of the telecoms network works off-grid. That means they have to provide their own power. That's a significant component of the data pricing that is out there. And Nigeria's case, and we're happy to share empirical data, is that Nigeria has been able to have data tariffs that actually Nigerians in certain income bands can actually just spend less than 2% of their monthly income on acquiring one gigabyte of data. Remember, the Affordability Data Index, that's the ADI that A4AI uses, is actually much more wider than just simply trying to compare apples with oranges. It also includes the fact that we take into cognizance the purchasing power of the country, the lack of infrastructure that is there, the regulations in terms of permits required to build out this infrastructure, and also the cost and price of a handset device that would be needed to be purchased to access the internet. Because as you know, in Africa, most people access the internet using data via the mobile handset device. So those are the reasons why in the most landlocked countries and in the rural areas across Africa, you tend to find that affordability is a serious challenge to your average household because they are unable to afford a device which is more likely now if you're accessing the internet on a 4g or 3g technology should be a smartphone device and that makes the difference in between just getting online and meaningful connectivity and meaningful access to the internet to be and remain productive thank you thank you very much now this explains why Internet data is very expensive or pricey in Chad and just um, very, you, you cross the border to Nigeria, it's a lot more affordable. And uh, of course, if it's a business case, right, people are paying for the data that they're using. The affordability of this data causes some level of exclusion, of course. Those who stay in landlocked rural areas are excluded from a lot of possibilities, which those who do not stay in those areas are open to. What consequences does this hold for those people who have been excluded due to the high cost of internet data? Well, it's very obvious. They will remain excluded. Uh, you've just basically shared the problem. Now, it's for us to solve the problem, not complain about the problem, but solve it. Simply, the fact is of the matter is that we need to have a lower cost of doing business across Africa. Uh, we need to also look at the fact that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is the beginning of a thousand steps. A beginning of a thousand steps because right now, the Africa you've inherited 
we have inherited is a continent where each country is much more comfortable actually trading with their colonial masters or colonial masters of the past. So this intra-trade does not exist to the degree that we would like it. And why isn't it existing? Because if you were to send goods to your neighboring country, sometimes it's been argued it's cheaper. Of course, if you're using uh, driving a truck, that's different. But if you're dealing on an international uh, level, it's, it's better to trade in their foreign currency uh, and sometimes ship the goods to uh, uh, the, the, your uh, former colonial master and then having that goods shipped back from that colonial master to the neighboring country. Well, that's absurd, but that's what we've inherited. So we need to break down how we actually are able to build our networks so that we do not carry traffic that trombones foreign countries, foreign countries when we just need to do a direct peer-to-peer -peer agreement and actually have that peer-to-peer -peer agreement backed by a real physical connectivity in between two neighboring countries. Until that happens, to be fairly honest, the satellite companies that we have will act as those foreign entities or the foreign clouds where we transmit our data from one country to the satellite, which may not just be covering Africa, but uh, Europe or America. Uh, and then it is then sent back down to the neighboring country when really what could be much easily achieved is if we have networks that are interconnected to reduce the peer-to-peer -peer relationship that we currently are paying for so that we have data that is localized and that can be transmitted from one country to another in a cheap form. Those landlocked countries that you obviously have shared, it's not their fault that they're landlocked. The reality is that trying to connect the undersea cables from the coastal lines of Africa to then cross the hinterlands, it means to say that the cost of bringing data from a foreign country via the international waters, via undersea cables, is sometimes far less reduced than the cost of actually picking it up from the coastal line and sending it into the hinterlands through different countries to where the user may want to use it. Those are the real issues and those are the problems we've got to solve. Uh, and those problems will remain until we solve them. And I think that if we introduce cheaper technology, we have a reduced, um, uh, I would say, reduced government regulations, not in a sense, not to protect the consumers, but to ensure that they create an enabling environment and not see telecoms as another form of revenue generation for themselves. It is a balance because governments are coming out of COVID, their books are in a terrible state. They need to be able to still provide services and social services to their citizens that's voted them in. And they need to obviously show that up by seeking taxes from those that are benefiting from the environment where they're making their profits. So the Balancing Act is a serious one. It is timely and we need to have that conversation around how do we basically ensure investments are coming in to actually plug the gap that I've just shared with you, in addition to ensuring that those people in the lack-long countries have access to affordable data. That's key because nothing is free in this world, but the best thing is that it's been proven 
if we're able to onboard those that are currently offline and disenfranchised by giving them affordable access to the internet, then the whole economic area improves. The outcomes from jobs created generates the taxes for governments to be able to provide the services that they belong to do. That's the uh, answer to the very naughty question that you have actually posed to me. Okay. So in order to make internet affordable, you have narrowed it down to making the cost of running a business very affordable for businesses because uh, there's, there are taxations on the structures or the infrastructure that provides this particular service. And also Africans opening up to Africa more. Let's have more partnership. Let's open up. Let's do business. And whatever services we have, let's try to share those services. Are there any other immediate ways? Is there even a, an immediate way to start solving this problem now? to make the internet a lot more affordable? Is this going to be a long-term plan? Are there steps to um, to take to make sure this happens in, say, five years or 10 years? Well, I'm glad that you've agreed that Rome wasn't built in one day. So five years is a good stab. First thing that most governments should introduce a national broadband plan like Nigeria. We have a, a five-year national broadband plan uh, from 2020 to, that ends in 2025. And that gives focus. And it, it addresses issues around gender equality, digital literacy, affordability of data, uh, and other aspects to do with fiber reach to schools, health facilities, uh, pushing fiber to, in the case of Nigeria, the 774 local government authorities, uh, covering the underserved and rural communities. Uh, and obviously, the most important thing is to ensure that we are ensuring that we have a coverage of population, which in the case of Nigeria is 90% uh, of the population should be covered by the 4G technology at speeds of 15 megabytes per second uh, or 25 megabits per second, as the case may be, for urban uh, and 10 megabits per second for rural. That's great at a very high level. And I think every government should do that as, 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 as a matter of fact, whether it's, it's in line with Nigeria or not, because that gives a direction. And I think we've missed, missed that in the, in the past. And so why uh, does that give us a direction? Because, as I said, the private sector is governed by profits. Yes, they should talk, think about people uh, and processes and the planets. Uh, you know, but the primary P out of those that I've shared with you is profits. Uh, and because they're governed by profit, they can only go so far. So already a collaboration and a partnership between the private sector and government is a mandatory de facto to solving this problem. No one can solve this on its own. Government cannot because they lack resources, as I've indicated in my previous answer to your question. They lack the resources financially. They lack the resources in a capacity manner and a capability manner. So there's a recognition that government should set the right policies, not overreach and overtax the consumers as well as the suppliers. So they create an enabling environment and step back and let the private sector come in with the incentives and the incentives that assist them to find a case to extend and expand the networks beyond what they've done where they see easy profits, which are in the cities. So the argument that we have at the moment is that we have an issue around digital divide. And that's something we need to be wary of because it has a not only a social implication, it has a security issue due to the issue around terrorism and also 
kidnapping and crime, as we see it in Nigeria, but also has an issue around how do we improve government systems in terms of corruption. So if we don't introduce technology, which can be done better and best, arguably, by the private sector, then you have this quandrum. And the quandrum is you'll have more exclusion, you'll have more divides, and then you have an issue of, okay, how do we now bring in the technology through the private sector unless we are able to do A, B, C, and D? And those can mean different things to different countries. So I don't want to be dictating because I'm not a panacea of all our problems. But if you don't have the bottom-up approach engaging the local communities, ensuring that it's buying so that they can protect these networks so they don't get vandalized, and you can actually, they have a stake in it, then what you have is that there is a mismatch in between what the bigger operators and what the service providers are trying to achieve and what government is trying to achieve. And I think that dialogue needs to continue. And that dialogue hopefully will come with a plan and an implementation that is driven and led by private sector that fulfills their objectives and also fulfills the government's objectives. And that is to connect every citizen that is born into the African continent onto the internet by the time that they're 18 or they're into adulthood and they have to be productive in the new digital age. Now, let's uh, talk about the improved technologies. Uh, South Africa and Kenya rolled out commercial 5G networks in their markets in 2020. Does the rollout of 5G or other improved connectivity infrastructure have any effect whatsoever on the affordability? Are there any dangers of maybe greater exclusion? And does this move have the potential to drive the unprecedented and inclusive mobile data growth on the continent? Okay, the guarantee is that 6G will come after 5G. So let's not get hung up on 5G. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of hype around 5G. So mm -hmm. I wanted to just put it out there. 6G is already being worked on. So are you going to say the same thing about 6G? Are we going to come back three years at a time and say, oh, 6G is now the buzzword. Will it improve connectivity? Let's start from principles and basics. Let's start from principles and basics. Without funding, we're not going anywhere. We lack the capital to do the basic connectivity. I'm talking about basic connectivity. In Nigeria, there are 30 to 35 million Nigerians in communities that have not, never made a single voice call. They are, exist out there on 2G technology. 5G won't change that. 6G won't change that. Because they lack affordable access to a device. They are below the poverty line. And that's increasing in Africa, especially in Nigeria. We have people losing their jobs. So when we focus just on technology, we're missing the points. We will roll out 5G in Nigeria. But to be honest with you, just like South Africa and Kenya, if you were to ask an expert in that country the same question, they'll say, frankly, no. 5G isn't there to, to solve the connectivity issue. 5G was introduced to improve an experience of those assumed to be already connected. It is an evolution on a technology of connectivity, wireless, albeit, and mobile it may be. But it's an improvement on the experience, please. 5G will bring its own issues. 5G is trying to solve certain problems. Remember, solve certain problems that are meant to be capitalized 
under something called use cases. Use cases that are relevant to the environment. There's no point about talking about autonomous cars when we don't have the basic infrastructures in place. A use case of autonomous cars applies in Europe where they have the basic infrastructure in place. So please, and I answer this very, very succinctly, the Nigerian broadband plan of 2020-2025, and I'm sure other African broadband plans, has already identified that 4G suffices for a majority of the basic issues that we're facing. Yes, which is fundamentally conductivity, assuming you have access to a smartphone. If you don't have access to a smartphone, then you're using a basic phone or a feature phone, which is more likely to work on 2G. Predominantly in Africa, we have more rollout of 2G technology than any other technology. It's pervasive. We need to increase that so it's not just a majority of people, but everyone. And if we're not using GSM 2G technology, or 3G technology, or 4G technology, then there are other complementary technologies, but they have to be affordable. Take, for instance, TV white space, Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi 6.0, or even satellite technology for the hard-to-reach parts of Africa. But they have to be affordable you still haven't solved the affordability issue. Technology will not solve that. Reduced pricing on technology would do it. But then you have a counter issue about digital literacy. You can have the coverage, but if there's no usage, why isn't there usage where there's no coverage? 5G won't change that. 6G won't change that. Because there is a gap, a digital skills deficit. What are we teaching uh, our young ones in school? in secondary school, in tertiary. I'm even happy now that some people in government of who are in leadership positions are talking about STEM or STEAM. That's great. It wasn't something that was on ellipse five, seven years ago. So advocacy has now done its work. It has raised the voice of the concerns. We have a huge population of those that have nots, that don't know how to use the technology. And I get this answer or question, is 5G the answer? You're even going to make the digital divide even worse because they have not acclimatized themselves or educated themselves how to use effectively 2G, 3G, and 4G. So this conversation has to be more than just the rollout of 5G. It has to be about where do we want to go as Africans? We're great in entertainment, whether it's music, in the case of Nigeria, Nollywood, and the export. What about the data, the content, the intellectual properties around it? How are we actually moving that discussion? How are we actually doing anything to ensure that the exclusion of women is reduced? How do we harness their skill sets. Most of them are breadwinners in majority of families, especially where their spouses or husbands have lost their jobs, who are maybe the main breadwinner. The women takes that place. Where are the stores out there, electronic, in electronic form, where they can sell their wares? They need the training to be able to understand how to use the technology, how to use the internet, 
in a comfortable manner without being abused, you know, so that they can actually remain the breadwinner and a source of income for their children. Then we need those youth to be trained so that their talent, innate talent, is crystallized in a digital form and represented on the international stage. So we don't have a few unicorns, but we have hundreds of unicorns in the future on any technology that is relevant to the case. Not just about a specific technology, thinking it's the silver bullet or the panacea to all our problems. That won't work. Thank you very much. Interesting. Now, could you share with us some of the works, um, advocacy works that Alliance for Affordable Internet is um, doing in Nigeria? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, and it's always uh, a great opportunity for us to share with you that the Alliance for Affordable Internet is a coalition of stakeholders, right, from the civil society, academia, private sector, and public sector, and all others especially consumers that are committed in ensuring that each and every person in Nigeria has a right to the access to the internet and it shouldn't be the privilege of the few. It's still work in progress, but it's something that we started and we're proud of. So we in Nigeria have ensured that we work alongside governments in giving and providing empirical data and recommendations that are backed by this, this data to ensure that policies and decisions are made that are balanced and inadvertently impact on the affordability of the internet to your average Nigerian. I remember I said average. There are obviously extremes to this average. There are those that can easily afford anything you put on the price of data and there are many more of those that cannot. So what we do in Nigeria, and what we have done is to ensure that taxes are not inadvertently added onto the cost of making a data call or going onto any of these social media platforms or actually sending a text message or an MMS message or trying to carry out transactions on the internet. So we provide detailed information, backed up with research to governments. So when they are thinking of making a certain decision that they also take into cognizance the implication and the impact on the society and of their decisions. We also looked at how we can improve on rolling out broadband infrastructure. We have the rural broadband framework policy and it gives and highlights key best practices that can be adopted by regulatory bodies in trying to ensure that the supply chain side of this ecosystem is actually built in a way and manner which is, makes it open, accessible to innovative solutions and innovative providers that are just entering so that they can find a means to provide affordable access to the internet via other technologies. We also have actually looked and are still looking of increasing our involvement in gender inequalities. We find that this is something that we need to ensure that there is a momentum to ensure that digital inclusion is improved on so that everyone, children, women, and those that are currently disenfranchised from accessing the internet, not because there's no access, 
or there's no internet access or they don't have a device, but because of societal challenges. And that's an area that we're looking at. And finally, we obviously always look at those areas that we believe that can be used to ensure that anything that we do on the internet is done in a safe manner. We are looking at data protection and data privacy because we know that those are trending issues that makes going online even more difficult in addition to uh, issues around cybersecurity. But with the focus purely on how does data privacy and data protection impact the usage uh, and affordability aspects of going online and doing what we normally do on a day-to-day -day basis, physically, but virtually. I think I'll stop there. We do have quarterly meetings, and our website is www.a4ai.org. So www.a4ai.org. If you go on there, you will find Nigeria, and then you will see the past coalition meetings and the outcomes of those and any announcements we'll be making around uh, future coalition meetings with the first one for 2022, most likely to happen in Q2 of this year. So as early as April onwards. And thank you. Is, thank you very much. Is the coalition open to having new members joining? Yes, we do accept new members, especially those that are closer to the grassroots. We want to solve real problems. We've identified that accessibility, availability, and in particular affordability has a serious impact on meaningful connectivity and meaningful access. Meaningful access to us means cheaper devices. So those that are having problems having access to cheap devices, especially when we think about it now that most people should be using smartphones. When we talk about broadband, in its truest sense, it's a smartphone device as a minimum. And then the data plans around that, i.e. one gigabyte of data by 2025, according to the Nigerian National Broadband Plan, shouldn't cost more than 390 Naira per gig. And then I think the biggest one is, yes, when you do get onto the internet, so what? And that speaks tremendously to the cost of training, the cost of digital skills or acquiring digital skills, and that is wrapped around digital literacy. Uh, and I think that those areas are, are ones that we seek uh, representation or participation. And if you go on our website, there's a link to how you can join. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and your insight with us, because it doesn't just stop uh, you know, getting access to the internet. When you get you know, into the room, how exactly do you, you know, make use of all of these things? Digital literacy, very, very important point too. Thank you very much. We've been speaking to the immediate past president of the Association of Telecommunication Companies of Nigeria, ADCON, and the National Coordinator for the Alliance for Affordable Internet in Nigeria, Mr. Ulu Teniola. Thank you very much for having this discussion with us, how to make internet more affordable in Africa. Thank you for having me and have a nice day. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.